I'm happy to be here. I'm Stephanie Hansen. I just about introduced myself as Stephanie's dish. As Stephanie's dish. Wrong one. Three weeks. I'm rough. Wrong one. Hi. Hi, I'm Steph March. And, you know, we need your weather report today. Um, well, I was up at 5 a.m. At 5 a.m. driving uh, the giant baby back to uh, to the airport to go back to school. It was dark. It was cold. And uh, But now when I drove into the station, it's going to be sunny and it's going to be like 33. And I really can't complain because I was in Mexico for four days and it was gloriously sunny. So I got that bit of sun. Yeah. But then I came back and it it's was been dark, dark, gray, dark. icy. I tell like, you what, taking your life in your hands, trying to get to the mailbox. Oh, my God. It has been it has been a winter journey thus far. I believe yes. you can't even <laughs> poor Ellie Kaplan tried to tra- turn in my driveway and I'm like, nope, there's just two. it's like a fjord situation. Like I have fjord. it's like a fjord. And like if your car is bigger than mine, then you can't possibly Sorry. get in. I'm like I'll meet you at the end of the driveway. But yeah, um, yeah, it was really it's really tough. I will say I was in New York for, for 24 night. hours. Love. And <clears throat> I have to say, man, it was 40 degrees and it was no snow on the ground. I forgot how perfect that is. Yeah. For walking around like you're not in you're not slipping. There's no you don't garbage. Feel like you're taking your life in your hands. Right. You can like wear your coats like and it was funny to me because Jake and I, of course, are like. You know, I had my puffer and I had like a hat, which I took off eventually. And and but I wasn't like bundled. I had boots and everything else. And it was like people were bundled at 40. Oh, that's like they funny. were like snowsuits. <laughs> and I was like, wow, I'm a, I'm like, I'm not going to wear a coat this morning, you know. So we are definitely conditioned. But yeah, so we did 24 hours in New York. And that was um, dear listeners after the show. Yes. Last week, we told you that we were leaving <clears throat> and we did. And we just. We got there and that night we kind of ran around Bryant Park area in the Midtown. You know, we did and we ended up at a really great sushi spot called Tonchin, uh, which has a Michelin star in Tokyo. And then um, and then we ran around Koreatown and stuff. And then that morning we got up and we went to Namwa and had dim sum and we went, you know, we ran yeah. all around town. And it was just, like I said, perfect weather for just walking. We walked probably eight miles, eight or ten miles. I feel like. Uh, this could be a thing, like yeah. doing a city in 24 hours and just flying in, getting the cheapest flight you can. Yeah. And staying, so, so he, fun. best part is, so, you know, we've got, I've been to New York a lot, you know, when I was younger. And um, we'd always kind of, there's always the Grand Hyatt uh, at Grand Central. The Hyatt at Grand Central Station was always like one of those like nostalgic places. I'm like, I know the hotel. I like the hotel. Yeah. And I, <clears throat> when I did my little Expedia gig, I was like, oh, sweet. There's a, there's some, there's a deal at the Grand Hyatt. So the, and so I got my deal and everything else. I went through and I did all this stuff and uh, I got in the cab at the airport and I was like looking on my phone. I'm like, I just don't, you know, I'm like, it's the Hyatt at the Grand Central. And I was like, wait a minute. 
Here's the address. It's the Hyatt Centric, <laughs> like half a block off Times Square. Okay. <laughs> Booked the wrong hotel. Totally didn't realize it. But nonetheless, you're yeah. in there for 24 hours. It doesn't matter. You and know what I mean? quick in and out. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> I did do on my website, uh, stephaniesdish.com, a lot of people are going to Puerto Vallarta. Oh, yeah. Is that where you were? I was. Okay. And I, our friend Dave Osland used to live there and goes there a lot. He's there. So I had really spent some time talking to him about stuff to do. And I had four days to plan a birthday party for my sister. And I was kind of in charge of like what we did, where we stayed, where we ate. So he was really helpful. And I did an itinerary of all the stuff that we did and put it on my website. So you can check that out if you're interested. Probably like... I just, I've been to a lot of places in Mexico. Yeah. I love Mexico. Yeah. It like is the first time I felt like, because I've never been to Mexico City. Actually, I was there <clears> for <throat> a day. Mm-hmm. It felt like a city. Oh, yeah. It didn't feel like a replanned resort in the middle of the desert, which is oh. how a lot of these places feel. Sure. And then around there is crap shops and restaurants. Yeah. Like it's a legit city with a museum and churches. Yeah. And I loved like the old, we stayed in Old Town. It was really like for a four day trip, it was awesome. Yeah. I got sun. I got my Mexico on. We did a little bit of shopping. We ate a little bit of street food. We went to a music, like we went whale watching, which was amazing because the whales go through there and we saw a number of whales, which cool. Yeah. We rented a boat. The guys were super nice. Like we just had a great, great time. And if you have the opportunity, I would port a Vallarta. Like I can't wait to take Kurt. Yeah. I feel like, oh, this is a place Kurt would love. Oh, so that's good. Yeah, because you get all the Mexico piece, but you also get city piece and real food and real people. And that's kind of what we like. Instead of it just being the White Lotus where you're stuck in your resort the entire time. And I never even saw a resort. We did not go to the resort area at all. We stayed in the boutique hotel. They had 12 rooms. They had a pool so you didn't have to. Did did you go to the beach then or no? We went to the beach, but the water was real cold. Yeah, that's what I've heard about. this time of year. Yeah, Um, this time. So we went to the beach. We rented a boat. We went on to other beaches, but we didn't swim. Yeah. And yeah, the pool was great. And I would say also, speaking of this time in New York, um, and this is sort of that same idea that this is a little bit of an off time. You know, January is an off time to travel. I I heard so many people saying, wow, the restaurants were, you know, like dead. And I we popped into uh, we we're waiting for our reservations. Our the the sushi place or the uh, the ramen shop that we were going to was packed, and they were like, you know, it's it's like in two hours we'll have a table. I'm like, that's cool. We're gonna walk around. Um, but we ended up going to this other little parlor bar, and it was like not packed. You know what I mean? So like yeah. you can sit at the bar. And someone was saying uh, there was another restaurant next door that Allison Roman had just posted at like hours oh. earlier, saying like she like I love how it's like. You know, kind of Keen's, Keen's Steakhouse. I love how it's kind of quiet. And it really was. Yeah. And even though we got into line, into line at the Namwa, you know, and we were third in line at, at 1030, you know, it opens at 11 and we're just like hanging out there and there was, but there's lines everywhere for brunch. But I'm saying like going at a time when it's a little bit off, it's not typical. It's just a little bit, it's just easier. Yeah. What was curious about Mexico was, there were massive amounts of people. Well, we the flu the night of the huge storm we yep. had the, with the next morning. So kudos to Sun Country for getting us out of here. Yeah, I, I was, was wondering if like, you were going to wow, go. Yeah, this is impossible. But the, all the Minnesota people were going for their six to eight week trips. So oh. the airplane was packed. Like there were people with all this luggage. 
But other than that, they were flying and leaving, and they're like staying they're there for staying like six there to eight for the weeks. winter. Yeah, because yeah. it's the week after the holiday. Right, they're snowboarding. Yep. So it other than that piece of it, like yeah, no one was anywhere. No, and I, you know, so the, one of the other things is is that that's also why I think why I got those tickets for because we went to see Mike Birbiglia on Broadway at Lincoln Center, and it was you know I we got a matinee and the the place was packed. There were some empty seats in it, but there was basically packed, which makes for a good show. But um, that's the idea of like maybe that's how we do this, you know, and maybe like you don't go over Christmas, and especially for Jake, who's like. Right now in college, he has that extra two weeks. Like he just left today, and it's basically like sitting around going like derp. Can't really work that much because it's like no one else is working. Right. I know. And Christmas travel, and I've done a ton of it. It's stressful, right. and it was stressful this year but with this, all yeah. the stuff. It was yeah, this year stressful for everybody. Mm-hmm. But I do feel like that's a thing that we might do. We might say like, okay, let's find like a show. Let's find like a comedian. Yeah, let's it. find something in another city, like Austin, Texas, maybe or whatever. Love Cause Austin. we're not, it's very likely that we won't live in the same city for a while. Yeah. So this is the way to do it. I like it. Um, I also did something last night that I feel like I need to tell you about when we come back. Oh. And then you guys talked about trends, I think last week, we which makes me sad. I know. Well, the show must go on, Mexico girl. More. The I show. Don't want, I need to get out. The show must go on. I know, and that's what I was like. God, you can't be mad that they talked about trends. But I'm going to tell you what I did last night. Yeah. And then I'm going to tell you a couple kitchen trends that I thought were interesting. But I also want to tell you about this lunch, or it was a breakfast that I went to about a month ago. That was all local people talking about their local food trends. Okay. And then I also, we are going to talk about the menu. Have oh, you watched yes. it? I, Kurt and I went. Okay. So, and then we're going to talk about Noma because we're going to talk about that right before the break. And then we are going to talk about gas stoves because so many of you sent me notes being like, will you guys talk about gas stoves on Saturday? We'll talk about So we're going to talk about gas stoves. All right. So you're listening to The Weekly Dish presented by our friends at Hornitos, Maker's Mark, and Knob Creek. And we're going to be at the Book Club live which is the uh, restaurant that is in South Minneapolis that hosts the Lori and Julia book club. Yeah, sorry if I said last week that we were coming this week. We're not there. Yeah, sorry. We're going to be on the 21st. And you can come, and there'll be brunch, and they're doing a cookbook swap later on that afternoon. So there's information on the Weekly Dish Facebook page. Check that out. But join us next week for a live broadcast at the book club, South Minneapolis. We'll be right back. You know, some days I don't want to drive to the gym. You got crowded gas stations, you got zipper merges, you got roundabouts. Steve, 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 it's okay. Just join the Y. Members get Virtual Y, free live and on-demand content. Feeling better, so it's like the Y comes to me. Exactly. They've got virtual group classes like strength, yoga, sculpt, and dance cardio. Oh, yes, I've got some moves. Right now, enrollment is just $25 if you join the Y by March 31st. Plus, no dues till May. Join at YMCANorth.org. Can I just say one more thing about Zipper Merch? No. no we're out of time. All right. Welcome back to The Weekly Dish. We are excited to have you here. Um, okay, so one of the things that happened was a few weeks back, I went to this breakfast. Okay. And there were like 30 different people there, and it was just a coffee. And they were asking us like what we thought food trends were. And I was just interested in what they said more than what I thought. So I just was wanting to bring that back to you. Okay. So these were very mostly younger-ish people, like people in their 20s and 30s in the food space. Yeah. Uh, working in graphic design, working for General Mills, that kind of real estate agents, kind of a different crowd than just restaurateurs. Yep. Um, what 
was interesting was the trends. So I know you talked about it with Alex last week, and some of these will probably be repeat. Obviously sober. They were all very interested in like sober, mocktail, low alcohol. They were also interested in non-dairy, plant-based vegan foods. But what was so fascinating to me... So just plant, just vegan or plant-based, because that's not vegan, or that's not dairy. Correct. Yeah. What I would think when people go down that space is like health reasons and no. No, environmental. 100% environmental. But here's where the rubber met the road. Like, none of them know anything about the environmental impacts of all this plant-based stuff. So... I don't mean to say that to disparage them, but I thought it was fascinating that like we did maybe in the 2000s made, you know, we should eat more plants and we're trying to take care of our healthy bodies. And and probably we didn't get very far into the science of that either. It's like this. It's like they've bought these statements and this idea that this plant based eating is better and dairy alternatives are better and all these things are better for the environment. But they had no, con- like, it went only that deep. Well, and that, to me, there's something that's a little bit, con- there's a lot of concerningness to that. Um, but more the fact of, like, when you eat plants and you're doing it for your body, you have a direct correlation and you have a, you have a cause and effect. You have a feeling. You either feel better or you feel worse. You know, you feel, and that's what you're doing. Like, it's a measure of yourself. This, they're assuming a measurement. They're assuming an impact without really knowing an impact is a weird thought. I just thought it was a little a interesting because I dug strange. one question deeper and then the conversation had to stop. No, I'm like, make your choices, right? Do your thing and, and hopefully you're becoming a knowledgeable person in the world and understanding what choices you're making. Just like I don't like, and they would maybe accuse me for like that I'm eating a steak this week and thinking like you don't know the impact of that steak. You're correct. correct. So I get it, but I'm not making an intentional choice that says that believes in an impact then then I don't know what it is. And it felt similar, and just looking at it from like a trend analysis, it felt similar to like when we were all cooking light in the 90s, right? Yeah. Like, what did that really mean? What were we really doing? We were just eating a bunch of other fillers, right? Yeah. Um, another trend that I thought was pretty interesting was all of this talk about their microbiomes. And I was like, okay, so like, what do you mean what by these, that? Is this a bunch then, of white women? Is this what no, you Okay. No, just no, checking. It wasn't. Just checking. Um, but so that foods are going to be generated and be talked about in a pharmaceutical or nutraceutical fashion. The foodaceuticals. Correct. Yes. Um, another thing that I thought was really interesting. Yeah. It was like the concept of farm to table had just happened. Well, welcome and to they the millennials. Were extremely <laughs> excited about it. Really wanted like the story of like the farm and what the chickens look like that made the eggs that we're eating. So and, they haven't seen Portlandia. I mean, in some respects, and I don't say this to be, I guess I don't, I'm not trying to be judgmental. I was fascinated. I was like, wow, I feel like we've done this. Yeah. And we're doing it like again in a new 20 year cycle that's new for you. And I'm feeling like we've been here before. So is everything that's old new again is essentially what I kind of left feeling. Yeah. And I mean, I do believe, too, that there's ways that have not the the things that we know and the ways that the things that we have covered on this station in 15 years, you know, has is uh, in this show, you know, 
necessarily they have to keep. We do this thing like every Christmas we talk about freaking Christmas cookies. And, yep. You know what I mean? So there's a piece of that, too, where it's like you do have to introduce things. I just hope that there's more of a less of an ego to be like, what have I? This is I have just discovered this, people. This is a thing. And instead of going like, wow, but what I'm does this the, look like? But I can't be the person to have this conversation with you because I discover something and feel like it's the first time anyone has ever said it. And I yeah, like, I know. Stephanie, umami. And I you're know. like, oh, my God, we've been talking about umami for 12 years. Were you listening? Anyway, yeah. yeah. Do you know about like another thing that they talked about was how much eco anxiety they have? Well, this, I mean, and that speaks really to these younger generations who are, I mean, climate change is 100% the top of their concerns. Like it is, that's why they're choosing to go dairy free and, and be, you know, because it isn't just like, oh, I think this will do good. It's because they're terrified. But then you're all, of what's going to happen to the planet. I did like someone was like, well, you know, like I do think like nut milks and, I was like, okay, but like a nut milk, like almond milk, let's just go there. Like, is not good for the planet. No, and we're just like ruining the bees to get these almonds uh, fertilized so that you can. Do they know that? No, they didn't. No, no. Uh, I will tell you that I'm not allowed to eat almonds in my house because Jake has already said we are not supporting that (laughs) destruction. So I am an almond free house to support the bees. (laughs) Okay. Uh, Other things, young people. still being very focused on what's happening in their homes. Yeah. Like first time home buyer, second time, like what their kitchens are like, what they're doing at home, what they're cooking at home, batch cooking home, things in the home, local, 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 sure. Making local more obvious. Um, any dairy or dietary restrictions in a restaurant, their expectation now is the, the first part of the conversation from the server is, do you have any dietary restrictions? Sure. I thought that was interesting because my husband, who does have dietary restrictions, can barely tell anyone that in a restaurant setting that he has them because he just doesn't want to bother anybody oh, or make a big deal thing. out of it. Yeah. And then like the food comes and it's got some sauce and then he'll be like, oh, does this have this in it? And then he can't eat it. And I'm like, just start out. Start say, out with this, this is, is where what I have. Um, people wanting experiences again, like... That is every damn year. Every damn year we talk about people want experiences now, you guys. Telling stories in an authentic way. Okay. Um, Shared commercial kitchens. That was more of a... So anyway. Can I tell you a funny meme that's going around that is sort of in this trend thing? That Jake was snapping things at my house and like posting them because um, there's a thing called an ingredients-based house. Have you had the snacks in an ingredients-based house? So we're not people who have, like... Food. You can't just go buy, like... We don't have... Like, he opened our cupboards and find, like, a snack cookie. You can't find, like... No. You can't find, like, you know, a thing that just is there to eat. This is hilarious. So he has pictures of, like, the chocolate chip bag that he (laughs) totally eats because it's an ingredients-based house. I've never heard it described (laughs) in this way, but this has been Ellie's problem with our home for 30 Years. He has a peanut butter with like a scoop out of it, like yes. like a spoon. He's like, it's an ingredient space house. It's like it's and a we thing. have meals in the freezer, oh. but you'd have to heat those up. Yes, no, it's that hysterical. is hilarious. So I thought you would find that delightful. Okay, uh, following along with these trends that maybe you haven't heard these. Ones. <laughs> We're wrapping up. Oh, shoot. We'll, we'll do these in the ass. All right, fine. Uh, <laughs> we're, we're taking a break. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to Weekly Dish. We are so excited to be talking about it. Now, I want to give you guys a spoiler alert. We are going to be talking about the movie The Menu. 
Oh, and we don't have to have, give spoiler alerts very often. I know. If you haven't seen it, you may not want to listen. I won't. We won't go into like the whole thing of it, but there are some things about it that, I mean, and it's on HBO Max right now. So if you are, it was on last night when I got home and I was like, oh, am I going to really watch this again? Like halfway through? Maybe. Kurt and I went to the Heights, paid money. Oh, sat you did? in a movie theater and watched it. Okay, it was great. excellent. So I thought it was very interesting that this week um, I was in New York, uh, you know, eating my way around town. And I had a moment of like I ate, you know, $55 I paid for dim sum and it was like a massive spread we couldn't even finish. And then by the end of the night, I spent $84 on two burgers and a drink. Yep. In near Lincoln Center. And then the next day, I hear that Noma is closing. Yep. And then I watch the menu. And then, you know, it's like all these things, right? Like, it's a little bit all of the universe kind of breathing in and out, in my mind, for the way that since I'm the person who, like, thinks about all of this stuff. And Noma, if you don't know, is considered the world's most successful, exclusive, high-end. I don't even know most successful. It's the best restaurant. restaurant. That's how they like it's to characterize Copenhagen, it. right? Yeah, it's Rene Redzepi, and who he's a foraging God and he sort of is one of those and and to be clear he has built you know a huge tourism trade in Copenhagen for that because yep. people tr- come from all over the world dollars a meal or something yeah it's ridiculous so the menu the movie the menu is a little bit of a send up on that moment and it's Rafe Fines who is you know Voldemort and <laughs> and he's he's the chef of this exclusive kitchen and it's got this exclusive dinner they all go to this island and pay this enormous amount of money for this like super you know tweezer type you know Foamy, elite fine dining food now the thing about this movie you guys is it basically is a send up of all of us <laughs> of all of the food people in the like There's types like the archetypes diners and you can identify like each type of archetype in the diner so they're like the investment bros who yep. don't really care they just want to spend as much money as possible and say that they were there then there's like uh, the um, the old man and the older woman yeah. who are super rich and like don't pay attention to anything societal but they yeah they just pay they're just to there be because in the right it is place at yeah. the right time but they don't actually care about the food no. at all you know and then you have the hyper foodie who is just like an absolute nightmare who is like a food tourist is what I like to say who has been like oh, I've been waiting for this I can tell you what this exact thing is and I've studied this guy yeah and these preparations and-, and then there was the reviewer there was the journalist who was like the food critic and she was sort of like parsing things and making herself important in the conversation by saying like well this sauce is broken this should not be what this is you know and it was it was fascinating to see how it all played out um but it's it was also interesting because of course the chef has like a massive ego and control issues and doesn't know how to deal with like being the best wants to be the best and there's all sorts of things that happen in the sequence of all this and we won't give that away because it's sort of delightfully devious yes um, but in the face of Noma closing did you read any of the articles yes. about this so and I've talked to a bunch of people around town about how do they feel. The thing about Noma Closing and how this movie portrays the high art and comedy of that kind of a dining situation, I think, caused the national media and media everywhere to say, like, the statement I kept seeing over and over that just floored me was when someone would write, well, if Noma can't make it, who can? can? I'm like, are you kidding me? That's like saying 
if you know if Charles and Diana can't stay together, who, who can? can? It's like <laughs> this is a rarefied situation. This is nothing. Comparison. Yeah, I couldn't stop thinking about that because like this has nothing to do with the way that normal people eat or restaurants or restaurants. Really? And so I'm just so floored by the fact that there was this knee-jerk reaction to say that fine dining is, is dead, dead and that we're going away from it. Um, the majority of the humanity has not been going toward it. It's like, this is not a big change. And the other side of this is, is that it's so interesting that to me, they are not exactly um, saying that they're closing. They're just going to change a little. They're just also... Reconcepting, not, not opening to the public. Really, they're going to keep doing their things, and they're going to not be a restaurant, which is a little bit like Jamie Malone in town. Oh yeah, who said I'm not going to be beholden to the form of a restaurant. I'm not going to be stuck waiting to see if people are going to come and figuring out how much food to order for the night and all this stuff. I want to do things differently. So she started already in my mind unpacking what it looks like to be a restaurant chef with her Paris dining club yes. and her exclusive space. Yes. Yeah. The petite atelier. Mm-hmm. And, and so I think there's something to say about that. And then what red Zeppi is thinking about, but it was also interesting to me how it t- was no time for the current state of discussion and media and the way that we talk about things to lambast the rich for it. And I know it's an eat the rich moment. Like I know that's where we are. A lot of people are very frustrated with the, with the, you know, wage disparities and the gaps. And I'm not saying I'm for this. It just, it was like, there's that moment where, you know, it always goes to this thing of like, well, it's too elite. It's too exclusive. It's too, you know, it's too fancy and foofy and nobody wants that. And that's always hard for me because I think that there are moments that that doesn't necessarily ring true. If you examine the rest of your life. For people who claim that in that, if you go on SeatGeek and look at what the prices are for Sunday's games, they're more than a dinner ticket to many of those things. Yeah. And we don't look at like people that go to sporting events as elite jerks. No, but they're willing to. (laughs) But we could say, yeah, perhaps in some circumstances that these people might be elite jerks. I don't know. I mean, but it is it is so different that there's a characterization with that artistic endeavor You know, and then having that be a high cost and then having that be like, well, that's fooey. That's too elite. And that's 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 a snooty thing. I've never thought about that. And yet we have millionaires on a field. What is more elite than millionaires (laughs) throwing around and doing their little things and then people paying this like $1,200 to watch the millionaires (laughs) and then paying for a uh, paying like $30 for a beer. Yep. How is that any different? And in a stadium that is subsidized by the taxpayers. By the taxpayers. <laughs> Camelot. Hello. It's so, interesting. But it is weird, isn't it? That it's a different. Yes. It's packaged differently. Yes. But it is to me. That's like saying as if like the Vikings were saying we have this is our little millionaires club and we are deciding that we are not going to invite people into the game. We're just going to do our own thing and then we'll like package it out. And maybe we'll play Which a pop up game. A horrible time to be ripping on the Vikings, by the way. And listen, I'm not ripping on because I support <laughs> them. I support we all want of it. them to win. We want our city to have a moment that's good. I'm not ripping on them. I'm, I'm just su- and I just I know because I do want to say like I support all of it. I but support your freedom. Your, if we take your like analogy to the next like level almost yeah it could like i mean it's gladiator style right we're watching people like 
doing At things to their bodies. At least they're not killing each other. <laughs> and, and we're in this stadium that's in a round, and we're all staring at this action on the field, yeah. which... Well, and then there's people who have money to do it. Well, and then there's people who have that access to the field, right? Like they're walking on and they're like, you see the pictures of all these celebrities from the field and they've got this sort of moment where they're important. And isn't that the same as the same people who are walking into the chef's kitchen and taking pictures of the food? Is that any different? No, I don't think it is. It's funny, though. I know. So I don't think to think about. Yeah. The menu, too. Like I, I went with Kurt and. Did he get it? Did he have the same feeling? He liked the movie more than I did. Oh, really? He just thought it was like brilliant. Yeah. It's not a movie you can recommend because. Oh, I can. It, well, it's not like there's not good things that happen in it. It basically leaves you with like this whole feeling. It's a of, satirical sort of horror yeah, comedy. It's like, what did I just watch? What just happened? And so someone who's not getting the joke usually is me because I don't find this stuff. I'm not very satire I don't even get <laughs> jokes. So he was like, he got it all and just was like, this was incredible and brilliant and so well written and so well acted. And I was like, I'm just still stuck on what just happened in yeah. there in yeah. that hour and you a half You probably need movie. to watch it again. You know probably. what I mean? Because I and I knew what was going to happen. Like I could tell I'm good about like. Figuring out who done it before they who done it, so I was also doing that. But so was... I, it was hard to like sit in the moment because I was trying to figure out what was going to happen next. Oh, I yeah. don't know. I liked it though. I liked specifically Anna Anya Taylor Joy's uh, whatever her name is. Um, I liked her character because she was um, she's basically an allegory for the service industry. Yeah, and that to me was interesting. The way that she reacted and the way that it all. Really became clear. Yeah. You know, very and, interesting. But I would say this I, as far as fine dining goes and in the Twin Cities, um, and in, and as far as, you know, the way that, you know, if they can't make it, no one can. Um, I would say that we are not personally, I don't believe that we are moving, um, away from fine dining. I just think it's, it is, it is like everything else evolving and changing. It is a, it terms, it's coming into different spaces. I think you can still want to be the best. And that's really when you're talking about fine dining, you're talking about craft and trying to achieve a greatness and trying to do something really artistic and beautiful. That's possible, but it's possible in different ways now than it didn't used to be because I think the foodie culture now appreciates it more. So you can find it in smaller places and in more, uh, in different ways than having it to be this very giant stuffy, pantheon this church of food and i think that's what's really going on here that we should be recognizing and celebrating because it's a good thing it reminded me and this is all wrap it up here yeah uh as i was in mexico one of the best meals i had was not at the place that i thought was going to be the best meal i had it was at a place called daiquiri dicks (laughs) (laughs) and i was like this is so odd that the best meal we are having on this entire trip is at this beach bar called daiquiri dicks yeah and yet it was yeah. an enjoyable and you just don't know where those experiences are going to happen it's being open to the experience itself yes truly true all, all right. right we'll take a quick break we'll, yeah. I'll, I'll have ask the ask stephanie. stephanie portion so 651-641-1071 if you want to talk about your experience with the menu or you want to talk about food trends or you want to hyperventilate about our segment coming up in the next hour about gas stoves we're here for you 651-641-1071 we'll be back Welcome back to the Weekly Dish. We are at the Ask Stephanie portion of the show where we like to take your calls live on the air. You can call us to ask your questions at 651-641-1071. Our producer, Lexi, is standing by waiting to talk to you. 
um, unofficial researcher Phil is uh, was on the field at the Vikings game, so he's got that privilege going for him, which makes me laugh. Well, that's um, not today; it's tomorrow, right? Yeah, okay. but he was there last week, right? Uh, okay, I have a, a question that came in. Here we go. Uh, here's a question: Looking for a great restaurant with a great vegetarian menu that is also gluten free. Desiring to take my son and his girlfriend out for a special dinner. Any suggestions appreciated in the Twin Cities area? Uh, well, okay, so gluten free. Okay, so if you're looking for vegetarian specifically, correct. Um, vegetarian menu that is also gluten free. Can there be meat on the menu, or does it have to be? This is the question. Like, can it there be a good focus on vegetables, but not like? Are they saying they don't want to be around vegetables? That's a little harder. So I will tell you that the Reverie. Uh, cafe, which is in South Minneapolis. I've been talking about them lately. They have a great plant-based menu. Um, there's, they have gluten-free items on there, I think. And that's kind of a lovely spot to be in. Um, Brim is a cute little cafe in Uptown that is not, that does have proteins, you know, animal proteins, but necessarily everything in that shop is gluten-free. So, and there's plenty of things where there are not animal proteins. So I would say like you can get like a beet and green salad. You can get, you know, quinoa and tempeh and tofu and all the good things. But if you want to not be in the presence of meat, that's a whole different thing. They do have meat there. How about, um, I'm going to a seven course Indian dinner next week. What yeah. about Raj in yeah. Edina? That, are you going to go to that? I am. Okay. I am. Uh, I was very excited about it actually. Yeah. Yeah, most Indian places, by the way, are vegetarian by, you know, they have, again, they have proteins there, but they're like, there's so many great options. You don't have to add in. Actually, I was just at Walk in the Park and I was, you know, uh, that's another place. Most Thai places, you can add in your protein or if you choose. I think, too, what I would like to say about these dietary trends as we move into the next three years. Yeah. Every restaurant generally is going to have some vegetarian dishes or some plant-based dishes. They're probably also going to be able to make something gluten-free for you if asked. So this idea that we have to go to this one place that has this specific type of menu that checks all these boxes is probably not the sustainable way that we're going to be doing this. It's probably going to be more like a this and. Yeah. Um, I will also tell you that Colita is one of those finer restaurants that is beautifully done that is naturally the entire menu is gluten-free. So, you know, they have like corn elote, they've got mushroom tacos, they've got fried green tomato salads, you know, among all the other things. Charred eggplant tostadas, those are delicious. I was just thinking about the mushroom taco at uh, Ann's Place in Uptown. Oh, Suki and Mimi. That oh. is the mushroom burrito there is the one of the best bites in town. That hands down. is, we didn't do a recap of all the good things we ate last year. Maybe we should do that coming up next week. How do you remember? I mean, also, I'm a little... I remember that taco okay. because I, or, I ate it, and then we ordered another one, and then we ordered a third. Like, that one dish was so good. I don't know why I get so when everyone is doing their like this is what I ate all year I it like I got <laughs> real I got so bored with everybody's stuff and I was like yeah we saw you eating it and now you're telling us you ate it all I don't know I just I got a little bit bored of it you guys so I didn't do one really I did trends looking back and trends looking forward but I just thought you guys watched me eat and we we talked about it all why do we need to talk about it again 
Uh, I know. I'm sorry. No, it's fine. It's funny, actually, in the funny haha category. Six five one six four one one zero seven one. You're very feisty today. I am like I, that. Am I? Okay. Um, six five one six four one one zero seven one. Have you seen the egg memes though going around? Can we talk about that? I. It is hysterical. This Valentine's Day, get her something expensive, and then a dude holding up like an eighteen pack what of eggs. What is going on with eggs? It is this huge. Well, there's an egg shortage. They're saying because they killed all the chickens because of the poultry bird flu. I don't know exactly what, but it's like they're because they're so expensive. When you go to the grocery store, eggs are so expensive from what they used to be. Yes, and so there's sort of like this like too. price of eggs, but they've turned it into these amazing memes of like. Take her out somewhere really expensive, and it's like a couple sitting with like a bunch of eggs around them. And At is, breakfast. Yeah, it's California. I guess eggs are so expensive. They've stored 60% in a year. Well, that's a lot. And so they're saying that they're basically, uh, yeah, Americans in recent years, the, the consumption has grown in part because more families are eating them as their main protein substitute. In Los Angeles, especially, they're saying, because they can't afford to buy the the pork and the beef and all the rest. Um, but they said that the demand for eggs is ridden. Production in the U.S. has slumped because of the ongoing bird or avian flu epidemic. So you're That's correct. What I Nearly thought. 58 million birds have been infected as of January 6th, and they said making it the deadliest outbreak in history. And the infected birds must be slaughtered, causing the egg shortage. So six five one nine eight three four seven. What? Whoops, sorry. Hi six five one six four one one zero seven one. It's like the tenth time I've given, given my cell phone, phone number on the I, air. I know six five one six four one one seven one. In the next hour, yeah. I'm also going to talk a little bit about cheap eats. So if you are needing to know, like, what kind of food can I buy that's not going to break the bank? I've got some ideas for you. There's a lot of uh, there's a lot of consternation about you know this about the coming economy and whether or not. You know, we are going to see an actual recession or if it's just going to kind of... Aren't we already in a recession? Well, inflation is down. Uh, I will tell you that. I mean, the indicators are weird, I know. And it's the tech, you know, the tech companies that are laying people off. Those are tech companies that over, you know, sort of saw, they kind of over budgeted. I think there's some social media and some... They call that... Interesting conglomerations that are going to be looking towards the next, you know, consolidations, I mean. They're calling the... What did I hear someone call it? It's like a rich session, which is the people that are going to have the hard time with keeping their jobs or have lost their jobs are in this rarefied air of all these tech people that made all this money. And they're going to have a harder time because we still need just workers, right? Yeah. Anyway, I thought that was interesting. There was, and there's the big talk, there's the big talk about the loss as now that boomers are starting to retire though. Mm Mm-hmm. That, no that, that loss of the loss of the pandemic, you know, p- workers and the, the changing and the shifting of that and then retiring and then the more retiring now, we're really looking at this really interesting state of employment and where how that shifts out and like, what does that mean for prices of things? And maybe and, we'll finally figure out immigration. Like, hello, we need these people to be in our society, to be working. Let's find a way to let them in that works yeah. so they're not all just being housed in pens. Right. Uh, all right, we do have some calls. Beth wants to know something about chickens. Beth, what's Beth, your you question there? about Good chickens? Good morning, ladies. Good morning. So I just wanted to share just an interesting um, thing that's going on because I've got, I'm a backyard chicken tender. I've okay. got 35 hens. This is the first year that I have gotten no eggs over an extended period of time. From like all my hands, if I get one egg a day right now, so, I'm doing pretty good. 
we're the music's playing, so you're going to get cut off here. Why don't you hold on a hold second, on. and we'll talk hold to on. you after the break about why you're not getting eggs. Thanks, Beth. Hold on.